Welcome to On Attachment, a place to learn about how attachment shapes the way we experience dating, love, and relationships. I'm your host, relationship coach and attachment expert, Stephanie Rigg, and I'm really glad you're here. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of On Attachment. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking all about closure. So what it is, how to get it, what to do if you feel like you need it, but it's not forthcoming. And just some other bits and pieces around, you know, extenuating factors, certain people being more predisposed to needing closure than others, certain situations that can exacerbate the need for closure all of that and more. So it's a great episode if that's something that you are going through or have been through. Before I dive into that, a couple of quick announcements. The first being another milestone. I feel like it was only a couple of weeks ago. I was celebrating the milestone of 50,000 downloads. Two short weeks later, we're at almost 70,000 downloads, which is amazing. But today's milestone is that this is episode 20 of the podcast. So it's amazing to look back on how far the show has come since being launched back in April. At the time of recording, it's in the top 50 charts in the relationships category all over the world, which is just so cool. You know, not only Australia, the US, Canada, Great Britain, but you know, all over Europe and throughout the Middle East, Asia. It's just amazing. I really do have to pinch myself and I am so very full of gratitude for your support. And if you do want to show your appreciation, it is very, very helpful if you could subscribe, leave a quick review, leave a five-star rating, share it with people in your life. It all adds up and contributes to getting the word out there and helping the podcast grow even more than it already has and is. So thank you for that. The second announcement, you may have heard me speaking about it, is that my newest course, Higher Love, is being released in a couple of weeks. I'm really, really looking forward to this one. I'm really proud of it. It's a powerful course, not only about healing from a breakup, but really using it as an opportunity to get clear, to sort of create a blank canvas and go, okay, who do I want to be and what do I want my life to look like? I think that so many of us, when we're in the wake of a relationship ending, we can sort of just spiral downwards. But really the invitation is what would it be like for me to spiral upwards? And that's you know what this course is about, not only honoring the pain and the difficulty and finding closure and all of those things, but also really looking to the future and taking back control over your life. So if you're interested in that, there's a guided meditation that you can download in the show notes, which is all about finding closure and letting go very much in keeping with today's theme. Um, And when you download that, you'll be added to the wait list for higher love. So you'll access discounted pricing and bonuses and all those good things. So definitely do that if you're interested. Okay all of that out of the way, let's talk about closure. So I want to start by naming this, this irony that I observe when it comes to closure and that I think will resonate with a lot of people listening. And that is that if you were in a healthy, secure relationship and that relationship ends, it's unlikely that you are going to be left scrambling for closure, right? Because closure at the heart of it is answers. It's an understanding and acceptance of what happened and, you know, an ability to put together all the puzzle pieces and look at it and go, yeah, okay, I can make sense of this. I might not be thrilled about it. I might be really upset. I might be devastated, 
but at least it makes sense, right? So a healthy relationship, one that's been characterized by, you know, love and care and open communication and, you know, feeling seen and validated and understood and all of those good things is unlikely to leave you standing there with, you know, a million loose threads and unanswered questions and unresolved arguments and all of these things, right? On the contrary, an unhealthy relationship, a dysfunctional relationship, dare I say it, a toxic relationship, is probably going to have left you standing there with exactly that, with loose loose ends and unanswered questions. You know, the, the imagery that always comes up for me is like, after a bomb has gone off, standing in the rubble and just looking around and going, what the hell just happened, right? It's sort of dazed and confused and desperately trying to figure it out. What do I do now? Um, And just sort of wanting to retrace everything to make it make sense. And I think that that really is what happens when we've been in an unhealthy relationship. You know, we've probably had a lack of emotional safety. We've probably had turbulent conflicts that never properly got resolved. We've probably never felt like the other person understood what we were trying to communicate to them. So there are all of these unresolved issues and the closure piece is, well, I've got to finish the story, right? I've got to make sure that they understand me and that I understand them because at the moment I don't understand any of it. And it's really hard for me to close the book, close the chapter and look to the future when there's just this total mayhem and disarray that I feel like I'm turning my back on. And that's a really, really hard thing to do. So just validating that you're not crazy for feeling the way you do if that's the situation that you're in or if you've experienced that before. The other piece is, and I know that, you know, a, a good chunk of my community and listeners are more anxiously attached people. Let's look at this in the context of anxious attachment, right? We know that anxiously attached people really, really struggle with uncertainty. Any vagueness, any doubt, any lack of clarity, all that does is lead to anxiety. And when you're anxious, this is true whether you're in a relationship or you've just come out of one, what do you do? You scramble and try and find information because just leaving it blank, leaving it unclear is excruciating and really triggers your anxiety and sends you into this overdrive mode of, no, 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 I can't, I have such low tolerance for this uncertainty, so I need to fix it. And when we're in that, you know, when we're in that state after a relationship's ended, we tell ourselves that the only way we're going to get those answers is by reconnecting with our ex. We've got to get the answers from them. We've got to go gather information or maybe, you notice yourself, you know, going on social media and desperately trying to piece together what happened, see if they're, you know, dating someone else or whose photos they've been liking and filling in all of the blanks with these stories to try and make it make sense. And so I think we need to look at that and go, okay, what is this actually about? What is this so-called closure thing that I'm saying I need actually about? And oftentimes it is about finding answers to make something make sense. It's this thing of trying to rationalize emotion. And that is something that we all do to varying degrees, but ultimately can keep us very stuck because we're so uncomfortable with the emotional experience that we're in 
that we desperately try and think our way out of it or resolve it with, you know, with logic and reason and rationality when the reality is sometimes that's just a, a losing game. It's, it's not something that we can actually effectively do and it keeps us stuck for longer because it distracts us from where our attention really should be, which is being with our emotional experience and increasing our capacity to hold those difficult emotions rather than desperately trying to bypass or, or solve them. So I'm going to proceed to talk about, you know, what to do if a relationship has ended in a way that leaves you scrambling for closure. But before I do that, I just want to touch on one other thing that I observe sometimes, and you may feel a little bit called out by this, but I think it's important to be honest with ourselves. And that is that sometimes I think people say, I need closure. The reason I haven't moved on is because I don't have closure. I need to, you know, meet up with them or we need to have one more conversation. Um, And it becomes like this almost bargaining chip. And it's like a a way to keep yourself from having to cut the cord and really let go. Uh, And in that way, almost becomes an excuse for, you know, maintaining the lines of communication or reopening them if they're not already there. And whether that's because you miss them or, you know, there's just some comfort in still being able to reach out to them, still having, you know, a reason to reach out to them or potentially, you know, to try and change the outcome. So, you know, wanting them to understand you using this so-called closure conversation as, you know, a way to get them to understand your point of view or to explain or, you know, persuade or convince them to change their mind. And I think that just noticing and being really honest with yourself, if that's what you're trying to use the closure for, I'd really encourage you not to do that as hard as it is. Um, As I always say to people, you deserve so much more than trying to convince someone to want to be with you. And I think if someone, even if you don't agree with their decision or you think that they've misunderstood or whatever else, I really, really encourage you to let it go um, and to honor yourself more than trying to convince someone to be in a relationship with you when they don't want to. Because not only is that a boundary of theirs that you kind of need to respect, um, but you also deserve a lot more than that. Okay, so what do we do if a relationship is ended in a way that leaves us in that state of confusion and questions and really, really desiring some sort of closure? So I think, you know, the overarching theme in all of these suggestions that I'm going to offer you is taking responsibility and really owning your part and shifting gears into a more empowered place rather than one of passivity. And, oh, I just have to wait until someone gives me something or someone, you know, makes it make sense for me. And until then I just have to sit here wallowing in my pain. I think we really do want to go, okay, like how can I take some agency here? How can I make some decisions and start taking action that's going to move me closer to what is best for me, you know, looking forward to the future. So the first one here is really take responsibility for your part in the dynamic, but at the same time, don't blame yourself. And I think that 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 latter part of the sentence is really important. So, okay, closure, part of making it make sense might be looking at what happened and going, okay, wow, we were in a really dysfunctional relationship there. 
we had these awful conflict patterns that we just spun around in over and over again. I'd get really insecure and then I'd start testing them and then they didn't have the emotional capacity to, you know, give me the reassurance that I needed. And so they would withdraw or do something unkind and then I would escalate and then they'd pull away further and then we'd spiral. What was my part in that? And how can I stop myself from recreating that in my future relationships? How can I make sure I'm breaking up with the pattern rather than just breaking up with the person? Right? So what was my part in this dynamic? While at the same time, not blaming myself going, oh, if only I'd done this, or if only I hadn't done that, or I'd been more this, or I'd been less that. That kind of thinking is trying to you know, reason with the past or backpedal and change something that's already done. So not blaming yourself, recognizing that these kinds of dynamics are co-created and really just taking responsibility, owning the ways in which you contributed to the dynamics so that you can make sure that you are going to shift out of those patterns and not allow yourself to do a rinse and repeat of that in your next relationship. Okay. The next thing that I want to offer you here is to respect the other person's boundaries. And I already alluded to this earlier. If they're refusing to speak to you for whatever reason, if they don't want to engage, if they don't want to have the closure conversation or any other conversation, not only do you need to respect their boundaries because that's kind of how boundaries work, um, but I promise you for your sake that forcing a conversation in the face of them really just trying to create distance is never going to give you the answers that you want, right? If they don't even want to show up to the conversation and then eventually they kind of relent and yield and say, okay, fine, we can meet up and talk. What makes you think that they're suddenly going to come to that conversation, having developed the emotional capacity and empathy and, you know, staying power in uncomfortable conversations that they lacked throughout the whole relationship, right? All of the issues of the relationship are not suddenly going to be resolved in that repair conversation. There's a really good chance that that repair conversation, that closure conversation is going to look like every other difficult conversation that you didn't have in a safe way in your relationship, right? That you weren't able to safely have. It's not going to have magically resolved just because the relationship's ended. So let's have realistic expectations about that uh, and be honest with ourselves. Is forcing this person to talk when they don't want to going to give me the comfort and the clarity that I am craving? No, it isn't. Okay. The next one here is understanding that people have different capacities for these conversations. And it's a related point, right? Some people just really, really struggle with that. And particularly, you know, again, framing it in the context of attachment styles, obviously the anxiously attached person always wants to have the conversation, right? The conversation, even if it's a really charged conversation, that is always going to be better than no conversation for the anxious person because those conversations at least are a source of connection, right? At least I feel connected to you because we're here having the conversation and that is much better than the distance, the gaping void of no conversation. If your partner or your ex-partner is more avoidant leaning, you have to understand that they're coming at it from a very, very different place and their capacity to have those kinds of conversations and their interest in having those kinds of conversations is just completely different to yours. Um, they don't gain a lot from those conversations other than becoming very overwhelmed um, and distressed, right? So yeah, they are going to try and avoid those conversations. 
and they would really rather cut and run and avoid having the post-mortem, avoid, you know, auditing everything that happened and going through that process. Their, their tolerance for uncertainty and loose ends is much higher than yours. So just understanding that they're coming at it from a very different place and, you know, that that isn't about you and you don't have to make that a story about them not caring or, you know, them having moved on so quickly or how is it that they're fine and I'm suffering. They were different to you when you were in a relationship. They're different to you now. Okay. So that leads me to the next one, which is don't take it personally. I know that this is, you know, so much easier said than done. All of this stuff is, but I think there's this tendency to project our own way of being, our own experience, our own perspective onto the other person and then create a story about their behavior based on what it would mean if we were in their position. So what do I mean by this? You know, as I was just sort of alluding to, for an anxiously attached person, for example, if you were to pull away and then just refuse to talk to someone, that's like, it's almost unfathomable, right? You just can't actually wrap your head around a circumstance in which someone that you've been in a relationship with wanted to talk to you and you just like put your hand up and said, no, we're not talking. And they're really upset and distressed and want to just have one more conversation. And you say, no, sorry, I don't have capacity. It's really hard to wrap your head around because you just probably would never do that. Um, And if you were to do that, you would probably, like it would be in such extreme circumstances. And so I think you then have this tendency to project your own view of the world onto their behavior and go, okay, do they not even care about me? Did they never even care about me? Are they not upset? How are they moving on so quickly? I'm, you know, in total meltdown and they seem to be fine. It's like, yeah, but you're expecting them to go through the process in the same way that you do. And, you know, that's, just not helpful and it's not accurate. It's not true, right? Um, And all of these stories that you're telling yourself are really prolonging your suffering and really not getting you any closer to understanding anything and just noticing how your brain does that. It's just constantly spinning, asking questions, trying to gather information to try and make it all make sense, right? So we just have to really be very mindful of the stories we're telling ourselves of the meaning we are creating from someone else's behavior and the ways in which that might be prolonging our suffering. Okay. So with all of that being said, my invitation for you is to reframe closure as a decision that you were making to close the chapter and let go. And again, easier said than done, of course. And the truth is that this might require you to make peace with not having answers, to make peace with the fact that you may never understand exactly what happened, that you may never get all the puzzle pieces together in a way that feels neat and clear and tidy and logical because this stuff isn't logical, right? It's emotional. And the more we can understand and increase our tolerance for it not necessarily making sense, right? Increase our tolerance for the mess and, you know, the pain and the hurt and the grief and actually just be with those things rather than trying to opt out of them um, in some way. It's actually the sooner we get through the tunnel to the other side. But when we're stopping off on the way to try and, you know, think our way out of it, 
we actually end up spinning around in those emotions and in the stories that spring from them uh, for much, much longer. And that really does ultimately hold us back in our ability to move forward and let go and look to the future and, you know, really be intentional and deliberate and empowered about what our life looks like from here on in. So I really hope that this has been helpful for you. As I said, do download the guided meditation in the show notes. If this is something that you're going through, it's really powerful. I've received beautiful feedback. I've had almost a thousand people download it in the last week and I'm receiving so many messages from people who are saying that it's been hugely helpful for them. So definitely do that. And if you enjoyed this episode, please do leave a rating and a review, share it with someone that you love. Um, It is hugely helpful and I'm very, very appreciative. Thank you so much for joining me and I look forward to seeing you again soon. Thanks for joining me for this episode of On Attachment. If you want to go deeper on all things attachment, love, and relationships, you can find me on Instagram at stephanie underscore underscore rig or at stephanierig.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful if you could leave a review and a five-star rating. It really does help so much. Thanks again for being here and I hope to see you again soon.